it is really important for as we welcome new people into our workplaces that we sit them down and we show them, hey, this is the person to contact if you're not feeling comfortable at work. This is what feeling uncomfortable at work may look like and you will never feel punished and you will never have anything said against you if you want to contact or talk to someone. Today on Dirty Linen, we are continuing with our Pippet Girl Gang series. I'm really thrilled about this mini-series, talking to women who work in and around and are connected with Pippet Restaurant in the Northern Rivers of New South Wales. Today, we are chatting to Alice Dwyer. Alice is the front of house manager at Pippet. And Alice, in the midst of the flood stuff that is going on, I am super happy and grateful to welcome you to Dirty Linen. Thank you so much, Jenny. I'm very grateful to be here. Well, this whole series really started with a conversation that you and I had. So you were absolutely integral to it. So it wouldn't have been right to not uh, make sure we grabbed you. So yeah, thanks for the, thanks for initiating this whole mini series. I, I knew that, uh, you know, around this period, around International Women's Day, I wanted to do something special to really focus on women and the whole Pippet Girl Gang thing is just, really struck me as so cool and so positive that, uh, yeah, I'm just really grateful to insert myself into it in a small way. Oh, absolutely. And I think it is something that's really important in hospitality where a lot of restaurants all over Australia do so many amazing things um, and so many of us donate to charities, so many of us try to raise awareness, but oftentimes we actually don't talk about it a lot in the media and I think it is something that is really important to talk about and make people aware of. Yeah, I think that's really, really well said. It's so true. It's, it's, I think, you know, I don't know. I think it definitely is a female thing often that you, you do stuff, but you don't necessarily shout about it. Sometimes that's fine, but I think every now and again, it, you know, it, it inspires other people. It creates further, further change in action. So I think it really is good to mark some of those things. Absolutely. Uh, let's start in the present moment because I know that you're very involved in, you know, flood recovery. Just put us in the picture. Tell us how it's been and what's happening at the moment. Um, the last week has obviously been incredibly devastating for everyone in our community from Tweed Heads down to Ballina um, and particularly in the towns of um, Wollumbar, Mullumbimby, um, Tumbolgum and obviously as many people know there's more. Um, one of the biggest issues that we faced not only just with the floods was also the fact that we lost communication um, with phone reception and internet for over 74,000 people and homes in what is was one of the most devastating floods in over 100 years which meant so many people couldn't connect to get help, couldn't tell their loved ones that they were okay, um, and also meant that the coordination of flood recovery was incredibly difficult in the most crucial time, which is the first few days after the initial flooding. So that was something that really shocked me. Yeah, it's just a, yeah, it's so true. You know, as someone who will freak out if my phone runs out of battery at a restaurant, 
you know, and I'm going to be home in an hour. And just to think that if you're in a situation, a life and death situation, you're watching your whole world be destroyed around you. And of course, yeah, you know that people are worried about you. I just can't imagine the extra layer of panic and practical uh, mess that that puts people in. It was something that was really, when I first moved up here to the Northern Rivers, it was a really, I thought personally, a hilarious thing that everyone uses Telstra up here because it's got the the best reception in regional New South Wales. And then, of course, because 95% of us use Telstra up here and when we lost Telstra um, on the second day of the floods, suddenly the reality of it became very clear in that when you were almost thrust back 20 years in terms of technology, um, being able to coordinate flood relief meant that people were driving their vehicles from evacuation centre to evacuation centre, just hoping that they had the right materials and the right goods that could help people. Um, and evacuation centres relying on word of mouth to try and organise things. Um, And then also for people relying on community hubs like restaurants, pubs, cafes to be able to communicate what was going on in their lives, which was just awful. It's just, yeah, so... It's just so scary. What what was happening for you? Like, yeah, what were you what were you doing? What was your situation, Alice? Um, we were really lucky. We live in Pottsville Waters, which is down the southern end of Pottsville, the town where Pippet is. And the flood water luckily only came up to our veranda. Um, and on the street, it was just kind of up to about like mid thigh, which was okay. Um, but the bigger issues in our immediate and direct community was that we actually have a lot more of an older community who weren't able to wade through the floodwaters to get to when they were open the shopping centers to be able to try and charge their phones to be able to receive food or to be able to check in on loved ones so what that meant was a lot of it was kind of door-to-door knocking checking in on people, making sure that they had some bread, making sure they had some milk, making sure that they could, we could charge their phones if they needed it, if they had any reception whatsoever. And uh, Ben, our owner and head chef at Pippet, was also really integral to that when I just kind of like knocked on the Pippet doors and was like, hey, Ben, can I just grab some bread for my neighbour, please? Because <laughs> all the shops were closed and everything. And... It was just wild. I mean, it's it's really shocking to me to hear you say, oh, it was up to mid-thigh and that was fine. I mean, that's obviously there was an enormous amount of water in your vicinity and to think of you waiting to help your neighbours. I mean, the fact that you think that's lucky, it really says, speaks to how devastating it is for, yeah, the, the surrounding areas. Yeah, and I think the reason why I do think that we are particularly lucky in Pottsville um, and in some of the more coastal towns is that our cleanup and recovery is not going to be as massive as it is inland um, where we were very lucky where the water that flooded a lot of us was sandy water 
um, which meant that it receded quite quickly and that it, there wasn't as much mess when it did recede. Um, however, in places inland like Mwollombar and Mullumbimby and Lismore, they've just been caked in mud and the sewage, the smell, the the fact that their houses are unlivable because of the absolute mess that's there and the cleanup job that is going to take months, if not years, is just absolutely shocking. How connected to, you know, all these places, the names that you rattle off, does this feel like one community? Like, do you feel like, you know, this, their recovery is, you know, is your, your problem as well? Absolutely. Um, I think if anything, we're a very close community in the Northern Rivers, which is something I've only lived here for almost two years now. And the sense of community and the sense that we are one place, regardless of whether we are 10 kilometers away from each other or 50 kilometers away is incredibly strong. Um, but also particularly in the last week, because we were relying on our neighbours, we were relying on the guys from down the road to help deliver food, to help check in, um, has meant that it's stronger than ever. We've seen so many community heroes here in the last week, especially whilst we were unable to communicate to the greater New South Wales and Australia of what was going on, that it really is, yeah, one community. Oh, it's really full on. I mean, I know that you and Ben have been out and about the last couple of days. You know, what what have you guys been up to? Um, ben has been really amazing. He's been taking on, we've finally been able to set up kind of one hub for all the donations to go through, for all the hospitality venues who are all helping to go through. Um, sorry, a bus just went by. <laughs> Um, Good. I'm glad buses can get by. Yes, I know. It's really exciting actually to see one. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so they've done an amazing job. It's um, Flood Recovery 2022 have been organising hubs uh, that are centralised who can communicate with all the evacuation centres in the area um, so that everyone is able to know where to go and to know what is needed. Um, and Ben and a lot of the chefs in our area have been going to these meetings in the morning, finding out exactly what food is needed, whether it's food that people can eat with their hands, whether it's food that that can be heated up, whether they need cutlery, plastic containers, whatever the case may be. Um, And then coming back into the restaurant and then we're all kind of helping to prepare those hundreds and hundreds of meals. I will fully admit that I discovered yesterday my rice paper roll rolling is incredibly weak and I do apologise to the community who need to suffer through those. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's a team effort. That's really amazing. I mean, we we know that community is always going to be crucial when, you know, there's such a huge event like this, but one of the narratives has been how remiss the government response has been. I mean, what have you seen in terms of, uh, I guess, official channels of and um, layers and reaching out of support? Look, in Pottsville, because we were very lucky in comparison to many other towns, We've seen very little, um, which is perfectly understandable because 
the SES and the Australian Defence Force should be in towns that really do need it. Um, one of the things that really, I have to say, broke my heart quite a lot was when we got uh, particularly the internet back on Sunday after a week of being kind of incommunicado with the greater world was seeing on the ABC, seeing on the Sydney Morning Herald, seeing on these news channels or even just social media, no one seemed to be talking about what had just happened. And I don't know whether that was because people didn't know whether because we couldn't send out photos to the greater world because we had no internet, we had no reception, but it was just devastating to think that we were going through so much and no one seemed to be talking about it. Um, I think now that more people, and I've seen a flood, that's a terrible word, sorry. I've seen a huge ripple of information now coming through on social media and through official news channels talking about the devastation and even having uh, the Premier stand up and go, hey, we didn't do this right, is a huge relief, I think, to the community. Um, However, I very much doubt that Scott Morrison is going to get a warm welcome when he comes here this week because we're all very angry and very upset that we were left by ourselves to do jobs that shouldn't be undertaken by civilians. Because some of that work's really dangerous, right? I mean, as much as you have good intentions to be wading into floodwaters, there might be live power, you you know, sewage, you, you just don't know. Like you do need expert assistance with these things. Absolutely. But I think the any human being if they can see that nothing is being done, it's going to turn around and you're not thinking about the danger. You're not thinking about the consequences, but all you are thinking about is, Hey, I think someone actually needs help and let's just go and do it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's beautiful human nature. It's just, you know, no one, you, you want people to be like that. Um, but I just, yeah, just the bewildering nature of everything. And I suppose as days go on and people are depleted, perhaps they don't have, you know, yes, it's great to get <laughs> some badly rolled rice paper rolls, but you know, perhaps you really felt like roast chicken or I don't know. I suppose it's that, it's that lack of agency that people have in disasters that I think can also really impact them. And you just think when, when the information channels aren't clear, um, it, the job ahead must seem quite overwhelming. Uh, that, yeah, I just, I guess all the mental health impacts of that just, um, yeah, can't be understated. Oh, absolutely. And I don't think that, I think everyone here has had the best of intentions with what they have been trying to do. And everyone is just trying to get it done and trying to provide as much help as possible. But very few of us are trained to do any of this. And very few of us are really able to deal with the long-term impacts and fallouts that these floods have had. And my only hope is that the government can get it together for what is going to be a very long and arduous cleanup and for us to really revive the Northern Rivers. Um, I think it was said, I read a piece um, recently which said, for right now, 
blaming the government is not going to do very much. But all we can do is continue to share our stories, continue to show everyone what is going on and how long that this is going to take us to be able to be a thriving community again. But until then, we can only hope to receive support. Yeah. Um, Alice, it's, you know, it's, it feels weird to want to talk about restaurants in amongst all this, but I think, you know, what, one thing we realise through difficult times is that restaurants are enormously important places of community and um, togetherness as well as employment and, you know, they're so intertwined in all kinds of different enterprises and businesses in community. Obviously, Pippet's there, you know, um making food for the community, but, you know, what's the feeling about, you know, being part of a restaurant at, at a time like this? I think it's a really beautiful thing, to be honest. Um, restaurants, any hospitality provides a hub for communities, particularly smaller, more rural communities where that's kind of that's where you see people, that's where you get your information from, that's where we all gather in our communities and being a part of something where we can show people who, regardless of whether they would ever dine at Pippet, but we can show them what hospitality means, whether it's providing a free meal, whether it's providing someone to talk to, is something that's really wonderful. Yeah, actually that's so taps into, you know, what I know you believe in so strongly, which is, you know, the art of hospitality, the importance of hospitality and the fact that it, you know, should be valued more by the community at large. Yeah, look, I think that we, and I know that I've mentioned this to you before, where I do believe the importance of hospitality has been very much underrated in Australia in the last probably 20, 30 years. And unfortunately, what that has meant is that a lot of the skills, particularly in front of house, have waned um, and that because the community has not looked at front of house hospitality as a career for a very long time, it means that we've not been able to attract a lot of Australians into our industry and being able to show them what an amazing thing it is to be a part of. How did you become so passionate about it? What was your pathway? Um, so mine was pretty simple. I realised that I hated university and I dropped out and my dad sat me down and basically said I could either go back to school and live at home or I could get a job and pay rent. And I decided to get a job. <laughs> And um, I worked in a, in a cafe. It was, my, it was my first job. And I just realized I loved it. And I loved talking to people on their day-to-day lives and seeing the same people again and again and feeling like I was a part of their family and I was a part of their life. And it really struck me and I had a lot of positive reinforcement um, from my family who were very unfamiliar with hospitality at that point. But my mum and my dad would sometimes come and visit me in that cafe and they'd sit down for hours and they'd just sit there, have a coffee, watch me work, read a book and 
they would say to me that they really enjoyed coming in because they loved watching me do something that they could see I loved. And that was the positive reinforcement I really needed to go, okay, how do I take this a step further? Oh, that is so moving because, you know, so many people that feel like they've found their place, they have to deal with a lot of, you know, when you're getting a real job kind of bullshit. It's just so, so beautiful to think of them sitting there observing you with such pride and joy. Yeah, look, it's been really, it's, I've been incredibly lucky in that my family have been incredibly supportive. And throughout wherever my career has taken me, whether it's working fine dining in Sydney, working in Auckland, coming up to the Northern Rivers, oh, my family love it. And my dad in particular has fallen in love with hospitality. He's gone from this man who would go to a restaurant once every six months and order sausages and mash to someone who now dines out like three times a week and talks to me about this amazing meal he had and talks to the waiters and just loves learning all about it. It's just absolutely wild. (laughs) That is the best. (laughs) I think, um, Alice, that a lot of front of house um, people sort of aren't really aware of how good they are at so many things. Like, yeah, they might know that they can, you know, run the floor, but they don't really appreciate that their skills are so many varied and in high demand in, in lots of different industries. Are you able to sort of elucidate for me what you think your skills are, what you're really good at? Absolutely. Look, I think hospitality, front of house, we have very many skills that, like you say, are desirable um, in life where we learn not only very quick problem solving, Um, how to manage people in employment, but also how to manage guest services. Um, We look a lot at economics and the financial viability of beverage menus, food menus, staff costs, um, how to turn profits in what is particularly a challenging industry, um, how to respond and react to feedback not only from our staff but also feedback from our community and how to pivot very quickly and then of course there is event management that comes into it there is running the the aesthetics of the restaurant and knowing when to turn the lighting up the music down knowing how to create a beautiful environment people um and it's just it's everything that is to do with running a whether it's a small business or big business we kind of have to be across all of it yeah i think that's so so well said and it's um yeah so many of those skills well all of them really could be applied in multiple arenas um yeah it's it's it would be great if everybody valued um what you do as much as your dad does <laughs> yeah <laughs> look i mean i think it's one of those things where it's also up to us to teach people in to teach different generations about why hospitality is incredibly important and what it takes to work in restaurants and run restaurants and why they should be a valued career 
And I do believe, obviously, we've had a incredible staffing crisis throughout our industry over the last two years. And I believe that we caused that over the last 20 years by not valuing our front of house staff and by not showcasing to the rest of Australia what it is that we do. So I think it's incredibly important to talk about. Yeah. And what about, you know, let's talk about the whole women side of it. What do you think needs to happen for hospitality and particularly front of house to be a more welcoming, encouraging, appealing place for women to forge a career? I think we need to start young with the next generation of hospitality. I think it's really important, particularly for women, to understand at a high school level that this is an option for them to make a career out of, particularly if they're not interested in further schooling. We teach young children about becoming a chef, um, about trades. Um, In high school, I think that hospitality front of house should have more influence in that arena. And I do think that that comes from prominent people in our industry going and talking to TAFE students, to high school students um, about this is an amazing opportunity and that you can travel with it, that you can make incredible money with it, that you're going to learn skills that can take you everywhere. It also means that we need to make sure that hospitality is an inclusive and wonderful place to work in. I think one thing that we've put a blame on in the last couple of years is that people don't enter hospitality because we don't get paid enough. I think that's an absolute joke. We get paid generally very well, um, especially if you work in fine dining and you're earning tips um, plus a very good salary now that as well there's a staff shortage. However, one of the big reasons people leave hospitality, particularly women, is because we don't have an, an inclusive environment Um, because we have so much abuse that has happened in our industry, whether it's sexual abuse, whether it's wage theft, whether it is visa abuse that comes in and it does affect women so much more than it affects men in our industry. And we need to make sure that if we want to keep hospitality going in Australia to the level um, that it is currently that we're creating spaces for women of the next generation. So what kinds of things would you like to see done? Would you like to see happen? I mean, is it is it leadership that needs to come, you know, right from the top? You know, I guess as we've seen about, you know, a lot of misogyny in Parliament, for example. I mean, do we need to have better examples or are we talking about legislative and regulatory changes? You know, is it do we need to have, you know, anti-bullying campaigns in workplaces? What kinds of things do you reckon could make the difference? To be honest, I think the greatest amount of difference is going to come from the current generation of hospitality leadership looking at their own past, looking at the ways that we were taught and recognising that those ways were not good ways and trying to make changes within our own restaurants and our own spaces from within. For example, 
thinking back to my own past, I know that I was a very big proponent of, oh, well, that's just how chefs behave. And, oh, suck it up. That's just how guests are. And saying that line to young women in hospitality, which I now recognize was terrible behavior and absolutely carried on that abuse um, in that space. But we have to, as leaders in this industry, go, right, how do we make change from within? Because, as we all know, legislature is a set of rules that may not actually change one person's experience in an isolated workplace. Yeah, I think that's really, it's really wise, but also really brave, because I suppose it makes everybody accountable and everybody part of the change that they that they want to see in the world. Um, but yeah, I'm sure you're right. I think that, you know, rules, rules that come from the top or attitudes that come from the top are definitely going to be part of it and help people feel supported. But yeah, everybody does have to, I guess, um, yeah, be a good actor in the situations that, that are in front of them every day. Absolutely. And I think the, one of the key parts as well is making sure in hospitality that whether you're a small restaurant, a big restaurant, a massive group, taking a look at your HR department, making sure that you have an HR person, making sure that every single staff member knows what HR is and knows who to talk to, knows what abuse in the workplace actually is and what that looks like. Because I think that is also something in hospitality that we don't often talk about. Um, We see HR as that person who just works down the road and has never worked on the floor so therefore doesn't understand what it's like um i know for myself probably until last year i don't think i'd ever contacted an hr person and it is really important for as we welcome new people into our workplaces that we sit them down and we show them hey this is the person to contact if you're not feeling comfortable at work this is what feeling uncomfortable at work may look like. We need you to understand take this incredibly seriously and you will never feel punished and you will never have anything said against you if you want to contact or talk to someone. Oh, I love that. It's just so strong and I just, yeah, I would I just so wish for my daughters to go into every workplace and to have someone sit down, sit them down and and say that to them. That is really, really powerful and great. Yeah, look, I think it's, it's one of those things where until something goes wrong and until you do look internally that you realise how many of these steps are, are missed in the workplace and obviously in hospitality it is kind of compounded because we are generally rogue cowboys when it comes to most things. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Alice, tell us about the Pippet Girl Gang. Um, yeah. W- what happened? What is it? And how did it make you feel? Um, it was a really amazing thing. I spoke to, so the idea originated with Yen, who is our uh, business administrator and Ben Devlin's wife and is an absolute legend. Um, she uh, loves the idea of creating spaces for the staff to 
um, develop their own sense of self-worth and to showcase their personality and skills. And Yen had been doing a lot of reading about female representation in hospitality and how particularly with chefs and restaurant owners, how underrepresented females were. So she and Lily, our amazing pastry chef, uh, put together the bones of the Girl Gang event and they wanted to make the space open for not just the um, chefs in front of house at Pippet, but also for chefs in front of house across the Northern Rivers um, and really create a space where young females in hospitality could also be mentored by older, more experienced females. So not only were they getting to showcase their skill, but also they were getting to connect with people in the area that they might not have connections with, which is a really amazing thing. Um, for myself, I worked with a beautiful sommelier named uh, Gabby Fury, um, who also works at Harvest. Um, and she helped guide me through putting together a wine list that was a female winemakers only list um, because it was something that I'd never thought of before when looking at our wine list that out of the 60 wines we had only three were female winemakers and I I had mm. never even thought about it or even had it cross my mind and Gabby directed me and showed me some amazing female winemakers across the country and connected me to a few of them, showed me where to go to, to look at the Instagrams, to email them. And I really managed to create some amazing connections and also to really educate myself on why representation in the wine world is so important. What, what I mean, it seems important, but why do you think it's important? <laughs> well, I think the thing is, is that particularly in the world of winemakers and sommeliers, it has been very male dominated. Um, and it is something where, particularly when it comes to working in front of house, um, the amount of times and the amount of stories that I've been told by uh, female sommeliers um, and also for any female manager, going and talking to a guest and talking them through the wine list and they point to the male on the floor and go, oh, no, I want to speak to him. Mm. As that the male is in charge, the male knows about the wine. And because there has been mostly, particularly if you look at um, media in the wine world and a lot of the, the movies that came out um, in the mid-2000s, like Somme and things like that, it was pretty much all men. And I think that's the image that a lot of people have in their minds of when they think of a sommelier. Yeah. Got to turn that around. That's for sure. So how did, how did it feel to be at this all women event? It just felt really safe and inclusive. And it was really wonderful to have this air of excitement from every single guest that not only attended the event, but also we spoke to so many guests prior and post the event and talked about what we'd done and showed them the, the girl gang booklet that Yen made and talked about um, the different dishes the chefs did, 
talked about um, the amazing wines that we had on offer that we were now putting on the list, talked about the inclusivity and um, showcasing all this talent from around the Northern Rivers. And people were just buzzing and they wanted to talk about it. And they were just so excited to see that representation. And it was everyone. It was young, old, male, female. For a lot of people, I think this was maybe the first time they'd witnessed something like this in the Northern Rivers. And it was just so exciting. And just that air of in the, the weeks after and the days after, you could just see the guests were, we would be talking to the guests about it and being like, oh, yeah, we did this event like last week. It was women only. Um, this person did this. This person did this. And the guests were like, right, can you give me a booklet? Okay, when can I sign up for the next one? Who's going to be here? Who's going to be here? We're so excited. And it just shows you as well that there is a lot of appreciation for this kind of space and for this kind of event. What an awesome thing. Just I can just feel how good it was from hearing you talk about it, Alice. So great. Uh, yeah, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. Um, yeah. Um, ah, look, it's just so, it just feels, this feels like such a big chat. You know, you're in such a huge moment in the Northern Rivers with the floods and, you know, it's been a big period for the restaurant. Uh, it's, it's important to celebrate women. It feels like there's so much to do in that space as well. I just, yeah, thank you so much for sharing, um, so openly and, and beautifully and powerfully, Alice. I really appreciate it. Um, but, yeah, is there anything else that you would like to say or touch on? Um, I think that probably the only thing that I would like to say is that if everyone in our community and hospitality could share as much as possible on social media through whatever channel that they can about what's going on in the Northern Rivers to help raise money, to help raise awareness that this is going to take us a long time to recover and I want to make sure that we're not forgotten about. Yeah, well, everyone that I talk to is very focused on it and it's, yes, sometimes there's a feeling of helplessness because you don't quite know what to do, but definitely um, you're not going to be forgotten about. It's, yeah, we, we're here, we're there. We're, it's, yeah, you let us know what you need. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely, definitely going to take a long time, that's for sure. Um. Yeah, thanks, Alice. Um, really, really appreciate you opening up this whole conversation and, yeah, being such a special part of it yourself. Um, I really wish you all the best um, and, yeah, we'll stay in touch and, yeah, let us know what you need. Thank you so much, Danny. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.